Youth Social CEO, David Nunez. Political commentator, Monica Crowley. The hilarious comedy of Dan Brown. Christian pop rockers, Newsboys. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Thank you, everyone. We are so excited to have you here. Now, just when you didn't think Joe Biden's blunders could get any worse, he has a week like this one. After a two-year hiatus due to COVID, the White House Easter egg roll was resumed, and President Biden, well, I think his uh, office staff probably wish they had canceled this one too, okay? <laughs> Because while working the rope line, some pesky reporters actually ask him a real question beyond asking him about his favorite ice cream flavor. As he seemed to get lost in the question and then start speaking off the cuff instead of off of a script, a staffer dressed as the Easter Bunny jumped in and intervened, pulling the president away from reporters so he didn't say something that might have been honest and truthful. Watch. And like a good boy, he just walks off with the Easter Bunny. There he did. Now, reports are that when Jen Psaki leaves the White House to go to work for MSNBC, she's going to be replaced by a large cartoon figure uh, because it's less conspicuous for the president to be hustled away from journalists by a bigger-than-life Easter bunny than by an almost human-like staffer. That's why. <laughs> and then there is the famous ghost handshake. Biden attempted to have this handshake after his speech that he gave in North Carolina. Now, he finished his speech and appears to have followed a cue from his teleprompter that told him, shake hands when he finished one little problem. His cue to shake hands was there, but there was no one there. <laughs> now, a couple of days earlier, he had given a speech about ghost guns. It appears that he thought that meant that actual ghosts were getting guns, and he just wanted to pretend to shake the hand of the ghost. Watch. God bless you all. Oh, man, most of the press didn't even try to cover for this rather pathetic moment. But the so-called fact-checker site called PolitiFact tried to explain it away by saying it was just a hand gesture to point at someone. Really? I mean, the utterly discredited PolitiFact got laughed at more than Biden for that whopper of a cover-up. And then this week... After a federal judge in Florida overruled the despised and hated mask mandate for trains, planes, and buses, the president seemed to take sides with the people when he said that people could decide for themselves whether to wear the phony Fauci fashion face diaper. 
Mr. President, should people continue to wear masks on planes? That's up to them. Yeah, good, it's up to them. But apparently, he's just the president. He's not really calling the shots because hours after the president seemed to indicate that we were going to be a free country again and that wearing a mask on a plane was going to be up to us, his own Justice Department said it would appeal the ruling so Democrats can keep everyone's faces covered up. You know what? Maybe Democrats know that if they force us all to keep wearing masks, nobody will notice that the Democrats are talking out of both sides of their mouths. That's the deal. Frankly, there are some Democrats whose faces really do look better all covered up, so maybe it's not that bad. And yes, some people ought to wear a mask for medical reasons, or maybe they just don't want to brush their teeth. I don't know. But shouldn't that be our choice? I mean, how come it is that Democrats want to justify killing an unborn child based on the choice of the mother, but they want to eliminate the choice that you might make, not about your baby's health, but about your own health? And remember when President Biden said we need to punish those Border Patrol agents who were accused of using whips against illegal immigrants? Well, after a thorough investigation, the agents were completely cleared of any wrongdoing. But the White House refused to apologize. In fact, they refused to even admit they were wrong. And is the president going to apologize to them? There is a process and an investigation that's gone through the Department of Homeland Security. I don't have any update on that. Nah, you don't have any update on that. The update would be, yeah, we really blew it. We were <laughs> insulting to those border agents, but we'll never hear that from them. Now, look, I know you might think I'm just a bit tough on President Biden. But folks, not nearly as tough as I could be, okay? Look, I don't bungle his decisions and his declarations. I just try to make sure that you see why I think our country is in trouble with him in the driver's seat and why I encourage you to get out and vote this November. Devin Nunes is a California Republican who served in the United States Congress for nearly 20 years. He chaired the House Intelligence Committee from 2015 to 2019, and he just left Congress a few months ago to take a role in a brand new social media venture, former President Donald Trump's Truth Social. Nunes says they're working nonstop to ensure that truth cannot be shut down by the tech Tyrants. Would you please welcome back to the show, but the first time here in the studio, one of my very favorite people, a champion for all that is good, please welcome Devin Nunes. Did you have to pay these folks to come and be your fans tonight? Because you got a fan club out I here. I kind of feel like this is old school Johnny Carson it's, set up it's, here. It's as much fun as that. It's and this is been. fabulous. This looks, I mean, I've done the obviously through yeah. Skype before, but uh, this is amazing. It's a little yeah. better than Skype, isn't it? It, it yeah. is, it is. It's great to be here in person in a free, a free state. Yes, and yeah. we're so excited that you're here. 
You know, I wasn't kidding. You really have been one of my very favorite members of Congress. I was heartbroken when you said you were leaving Congress because yeah. I said, there's one guy we can count on to be tough and, and just hang tight. But yeah. it's for a good cause. And there's some pretty big news that's breaking this weekend that's right. about why you have left Congress. What's yeah. up? Well, look, the main thing that I've seen uh, over the last few years, you know, going through all the Russia hoax and the impeachment hoax and all of that, uh, is that you know we can't win the communications war because it's it's bad enough that 95% of the media is left wing and, and slanted and fake, but when you run it through that funnel of the social media companies, you know what gets to the American public is is very very little, and so I could just continue to see this problem of us not being able to get our message out to the common person because of what the social media companies and how they were filtering, and then of course. You know, what did they expect us to do when they shadow ban us and then ultimately they kick President Trump off completely? Yeah. So it left nothing else for us to do. President Trump had no choice but to go and create his own company. And that's what he's done. That's what he's doing. And look, the big, the big news is, is that we don't have a wait list anymore. We are fully launched. So if you have an iPhone, you can get it, download it right now. So... Truth Social, that's the name of the website or the yep. name of the app. Yep. Truth Social, and you can go to the Apple Store, the Google Store, the Android Store, uh, any other platforms. We've launched Apple first. Okay. So we've been testing that. We just went to a brand new cloud, cloud called Rumble, which a lot of you probably know Rumble. It's where yep. a lot of the conservatives are, are on Rumble. It's, it's a competitor to YouTube. Well, at the same time, they have a cloud, and we're their first big client uh, because, you know, we can't rely on any of these tech tyrants that you, know, you get halfway down the road and you get people and then boom, they cut you off. So we're building this block by block so that we cannot be canceled. You must believe this is an important thing to do. You had more cash on hand than any member of Congress. Um, so if you'd run for reelection, you were a shoe in. Yeah. Uh, you had a strong campaign. You left Congress despite the leadership positions you had because you believed that this was important yeah. Even more important than just being a I, member of Congress. I, I believe, honestly, uh, Governor, I believe it's the most important issue at the highest level. And a lot of it is because of, you know, working with the intelligence agencies and the military o over all the years. And you, you learn, uh, you know, some very basic things. And that is you can't win a war without communications. Yeah. And we are in a propaganda war in this country. And so... I just felt, look, when, when the president called, when President Trump called me, it was, you know, really funny because, you know, I had been preaching this around the country last year, saying yeah. how wrong this was. And uh, he said, look, I, I want you to come and do this job. And, and I had actually discovered, you know, it's amazing what happens when, when you're not shadow banned. Because, see, I was one of the first guys to go to Rumble. Yeah. I, actually, I think I was the first person in, in, to go to Rumble. And then everybody found out. What I, I was on YouTube. I didn't know any better how what YouTube was, but I had... 9,000 followers on YouTube. I had a little podcast I was doing. I thought 9,000 followers was great. Well, then I noticed that like my views every week would go down and down and down on YouTube. And I said, well, this is impossible. I have, you know, I have more yeah. family members than I, what I was getting views. <laughs> at least they would at least click on it. Yeah. <laughs> and so do you know in joining Rumble, nobody had ever heard of the company before, a video player. I just wanted a video player where I could post my videos. Three weeks had 35,000 followers. In, in three, three weeks. weeks. Wow. You know what I had? You know what I had in three months? Nearly 400,000 followers. Oh. So, 
it was an eye-opener for me. And then I also was one of the first uh, people to go to Parler. And, you know, I'd been on Twitter forever. You know, I put something out to get like three likes or something. You know, nobody would see it. And, uh, you know, had about a million followers on, on Twitter. And on Parler, I was, you know, by the time until Bezos and Amazon cut the cords to them, you know, I was over, over three million followers. So how did that happen? So, so living that, seeing it happen, seeing the, the horror of it and how we were being suppressed. And uh, look, this, was, this is the best thing we have going. The president wants the American people to get their voice back, uh, and this is the way to do it. So the company really, you know, we're looking at, so we do a little bit of what Twitter does, a little bit of what Instagram does, and we're going to, in the future, we're going to basically look at what Facebook does, and it's all going to be in one app. So, you know, the people, and the people that are on there, it's already, if you are on Twitter and you're on Truth, you are getting far more engagement on Truth already, even though we've barely begun. I mean, that's amazing to think of it having that kind of impact. But yeah. it's sad to me that some guy at Twitter who's probably some 25-year-old still in his pajamas at noon with a bag of Cheetos in his lap yeah. Yeah. is making the decision about what the rest of us can and cannot see. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm so excited that you're yeah, doing and, this. And, and the other thing is even, even Instagram. So there are people on, so I know, so, you know there are people on Instagram. They post a lot on Instagram. And they now have more followers, total followers, on Truth than they have on Instagram. It's it's not explainable, and that's why it's so important that we open this internet back up, and that's what we're doing at Truth. Well, it is exposing what has been happening in social media. Right. Devin Nunes is staying with us uh, right after the break. Do not go away. More with the former congressman and now the CEO of Truth Social. Right after this. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Devin Nunes is here with us. He's former congressman, chair of the House Intelligence Committee, and now the CEO of Truth Social. Let's get right into the story that according to polls, uh, the whole idea of social media and the shutdown could have had a huge impact on the 2020 election. People were forbidden to learn about Hunter Biden's laptop. New York Post broke the story. They validated it. Now the New York Times and the Washington Post have, but everyone killed that story and they spiked it just before the election. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it, it changed the election results. Yeah. I mean, it's the bottom line. Um, it's bad enough that they, you know, and the, and, and the thing is, they didn't just stop there, right? It's they, they, the laptop from hell, right, is what it's known as. They censored it. You know, American people didn't know what happened. Then you had, I don't know, 50 former high-level military and intelligence officials come out and say that that was Russian disinformation. So, you know, I'm beginning to think they're the ones that always work with the Russians because, yeah. you know, whatever they accuse you of doing is what they're actually doing. And it ends up on the laptop from hell. There was evidence. The FBI had it. Guess who was working with the Russians? Biden. And Biden, that's or, very or disturbing to me. I mean, yeah. I, you know, you dealt with um, Adam Schiff and all those folks in the House committee. Yeah. 
How did you keep from I'm trying to bring just back standing bad memories? Up. I was I got out of that place. I'm trying to get I know, but I wonder to cleanse myself. How did you people. not get up out of your seat, go over, and get him down in a half Nelson and beat the ever-loving stuffing out of him? I'm just curious. You know? Just curious. Not that you would have done that. Keith would have done that, but that must have been tempting. It, you know, it's the number one question that I would get asked for many, many years. <laughs> People would stop me in the airport and they, they would ask me just that. Look, it's, uh, uh, it's sad what's happening uh, in Washington right now, but the degradation of the institution is real. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I didn't think it could get any crazier. And since I left, it got crazier, right? I mean, they put the masks back on, they put fences up. I mean, just, just nuts. And, um, you know, it's not healthy for our, for our democratic republic. It really isn't. And, you know, and part of what's allowing this to happen is the control that they have over the fake news media, along with this control, having the social media companies to funnel the disinformation, really, and propaganda yeah. uh, to the American public. If Republicans take the House, which everyone expects that will happen, and likely the Senate, what will change? If anything. Well, look, I, I think there's a couple things that they really need to focus on. It's easy for me to, you know, as, us as retired guys, we can, we can make fun of the guys and, and complain. Um, so it's tough when you, when you have to do that job. So, you know, it, it's, you know, it's an honor to do it, but, and it's, it's gotten a lot tougher over just the time from I first went in because the decorum is so horrible now. But, but number one, if we can take House and Senate, there's not going to be any miracles happen, right? Because all you can do is stop bad things from happening, number one. But, but two, and I think this is most important, is they have to execute on the investigations. And, you know, we were, you know, as, as I think most people know, you know, we ran the Russia hoax. We were the ones that, that on the House Intelligence mm -hmm. Committee, we figured out that the whole thing was a hoax. Uh, and we ran a serious investigation. And so what my advice to my former colleagues is if they get, if the American people entrust them with, the, with their support in this, this election, subpoenas need to be ready to go out in January. Yeah, I've got a list if they don't have enough uh, yeah. that I'd be happy to give them. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I'm serious. I'm, I'm disturbed that people who are elected to uphold the Constitution have shredded the Constitution by violating the constitutional rights of the voters and even to stage what was an attempted coup d'etat of the elected president of the United States right. by infiltrating and spying on him as he sat in the Oval Office. That, that's disturbing. It's, it's, it's very disturbing. And, I, and I've said this, that the country is really depending on Durham, who's running this, I mean, basically the investigation yeah. that we started, we made criminal referrals, they, they went to him, um, you know, we made, what, 14 criminal referrals involving dozens and dozens of people. You're starting to really see he's running a serious investigation. But, and I know, I know what people want. These people have to be prosecuted. The American people are depending on the process to work. It's been a long time. This started, the spying started in probably late 2015, yeah. early 2016, and basically went all the way through until we unearthed it. And that's already been a while ago. So, you know, justice, you know, what is the, what's the old saying? Justice uh, delayed is justice, justice denied. Justice denied, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, we have a minute left. I, I want to ask you, do you think there will be justice brought to these situations where people the, use the highest levels of law enforcement and intelligence communities to basically subvert? As it, relates, as it relates to the Russia hoax, uh, 
I believe Durham's already brought some prosecutions, and I think the question will be if some of those people, are they really willing to spend time in jail to protect dirty cops and the Clinton people? Yeah. I mean, they've already indicted one of the Clinton lawyers, so, you know, it'll matter, will they speak or will they not? Or will they disappear? Are you optimistic? Do you th yeah. <laughs> Sleep with one eye open. That's the key right there. You're very familiar with the, with the Clinton yes, operation. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm still here. I still have a pulse, and I live through it. Well, I, I just am so grateful, and I'm excited about Truth Social Thank and uh, a platform that will give everyone an opportunity to be heard and to have free speech alive and well in America. Imagine. I never thought it would be a novelty to have free speech in the United States, but it looks like it's coming back. It's coming back, that's right. With the help of all of you and your support. Thank you. Thank you. Devin Nunes, we certainly appreciate your time tonight. Now for our audience, please check out Truth Social. You can find the app on your phone for Apple and of course later at Google platforms. Be sure to check out Huckabee.tv because we have links to everything that Devin Nunes is involved in. Right now, I'm going to give Keith Bilbrey a platform all of his own. He's going to tell you about what's coming up on the rest of the show. Well, next, get ready to laugh with stand-up comedian Dan Brown. Plus, this week's headlines with political insider Monica Crowley. Stay with Huckabee. Tunes never get old. We can work it out. Great Beatle tune. Played wonderfully by Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a big hand. Our comedian tonight is a favorite at comedy clubs and colleges all over the country. And you know he must be brave if he's willing to tell jokes at colleges these days. His dry bar comedy special is called Not Shopping Here Today. Please welcome the very funny Dan Brown. How's everybody doing? I am so excited to be here. I am so happy to be here. I'm, a, I'm just happy with my life in general. You guys are looking at somebody who's about to celebrate his five-year wedding anniversary to the love of his life. Thank you, yeah. I, uh, I love my wife to death. She, uh, she's a big nerd, just like me. Uh, by her choice, I did not push in this. This was her choice. We had a Batman-themed wedding. Yeah, I don't mean I wore a Batman shirt underneath my tuxedo. I dressed up like the real Batman for my wedding service. She dressed up as Batgirl. My best man dressed up as Robin. And I mean the 1966 Burt Ward Robin with the tight green Speedo shorts that went all the way up his thighs, which upset me because he did not ask me to borrow that costume. <laughs> I would have washed him, he's my best man. <laughs> but we decorated the reception hall with the Bams and Pals like the old Adam West TV series. And instead of getting a limousine, we actually rented a Batmobile for us to ride off in at the end of the night. Yeah, it shot fire, I'll show anybody pictures. Uh, the only part of my Batman wedding I did not like was the part where my parents got murdered in an alley. <laughs> but it's what my wife wanted. <laughs> her special day and uh, happy wife, happy life. That's, that's what my dad used to say. 
used to because murder, you guys are smart. <laughs> Something else I like to talk about a little bit. Uh, over the last 18 months, I have successfully lost 35 pounds. I am proud of that fact, thank you. I have, a, uh, I have a three-year-old little boy at home. I did it because of him. He's, uh, he's not my inspiration. He bullied me into losing the weight. <laughs> You're probably wondering, Dan, how do you get bullied by a toddler? Well, all those months ago, when I started this journey, you know, right before that happened, I was in the shower, minding my own business. He was in his final days of being potty trained. So I had to leave the door unlocked. This way he wouldn't have an accident. So I'm in the shower one day, minding my own business, singing, dancing, doing all the good stuff. Next thing I know, he rips open the shower curtain, and all I hear is, ha ah, daddy's butt, oink, oink. <laughs> so now I'm crying on the shower floor. My best friend just broke my heart. My wife's trying to negotiate with me to stand up. Nothing she's saying is helping. So she decides to walk over to the hot water thing, turn it completely off. It's ice cold. I'm like, what is wrong with you? She's like, well, I don't want to burn bacon. I live with YouTube comments. <laughs> I also found this out. My son, he knows that daddy makes people laugh. That's all he knows about my job. He does not understand the concept of stand-up comedy. Found that out a couple months ago. We were outside playing. My neighbor came out. My son, Roman, he loves my neighbor. He goes, hi, Roman. This is my wagon. This is my swing, and that's my slide. And Roman goes, you know, and Roger goes, ah, nice to meet you, Roman. And my son goes, you know, daddy has to go to work. He goes, oh, yeah, your daddy has to go to work? He goes, yeah, daddy tickles people. And this man I've known for four years went, all right, it was nice talking to you guys. And I... <laughs> but I love doing stand-up comedy. It's without a doubt the coolest job you can ever have in the world. Uh, I got to film a dry bar special right before the pandemic shut everything down. Uh, I'm on Huckabee. That's amazing. Uh, but my favorite show I ever got to do was about four years ago. Um, I was asked to perform for the troops. And that was something that humbled me, and it was an honor, and it was a privilege. And oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's... Yeah. You don't have to clap. It was only a Civil War reenactment. <laughs> I leave that off my resume and hope comedy clubs don't ask questions because even Mike was excited. He was like, you performed for the troops? Was it the Army, the Navy, the Marines? I'm like, nope, the Union. I opened up for Abraham Lincoln. He paid in cash. It was all in fives because <laughs> he's on the five. <laughs> I don't talk politics. I don't talk politics in my set. You know, you know, it's just whatever. I don't like to talk about it. The one thing I do say is something I know everybody can agree on. It's been made legal in all 50 states as of two years ago. On a hot summer day, you walk past a car and there's an animal inside and the windows are rolled all the way up. Legally, you can break into that car. Did you guys know that? All 50, yeah, all 50 states have made that legal. And I love that law because every summer, I steal so much crap. <laughs> And all I use is a brick and a stray cat. <laughs> it works. I get phones, briefcases, iPads. Last summer, there was a dog in a car. I broke in, took the dog, left the cat, sold the dog, and I bought more bricks. <laughs> Oprah calls that reinvesting in your own business. I, I know. I read her book. Someone left it in the front seat. <laughs> Thank you.
Before I started doing stand-up comedy, I was a car insurance adjuster. So if you've ever been in an accident, I was the person who helped you get a rental car, tow truck, that kind of stuff. A lot of people don't know this. If you're driving and hit a deer and need to get your car fixed, most insurance companies don't raise your premium. It's called an act of God in the business because God did something you couldn't avoid it. My dad knew about that little bit of a loophole when I was you know, growing up. He was out partying a little bit too hard one night, drove, hit a pole, in the morning called the insurance, told me hit a deer. Now when you do that, they send someone out to look at your car because no matter how hard you hit a deer, they're gonna be hair left over. And my dad knew that they would check for that, so my dad shaved our dog. <laughs> and Jake from State Farm knew my dad was lying. <laughs> Like, Mr. Brown, I've never seen a deer spotted like a Dalmatian before. <laughs> Those deermation running around here. Thank you guys so much. My name is Dan Brown. You were amazing. That was great. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much, sir. Great having you with us. Now to see more of the comedy of Dan Brown, including his hilarious dry bar special, why don't you head over to Huckabee.tv. We've got all the links that you need for Dan Brown. Right now, Keith has all you need to know about the rest of the show. He's gonna share it with you right this second. Next, political commentator Monica Crowley. Later, legendary musicians James Burton and Joe Chambers. Now, you probably have noticed by now just how doggone expensive everything is these days. And when I say these days, I just mean the last year, as Joe Biden's economic policies are crushing everyday Americans. My next guest served as Assistant Secretary of the Treasury in the Trump administration. She says that inflation under the Biden administration is nothing short of catastrophic. But could it get even worse? Or is there hope somewhere around the corner? Would you welcome to the show for the very first time, political commentator, host of the brand new Monica Crowley podcast, a very dear friend, Monica Crowley. I can't think of anyone I'd rather talk to about the economy. You worked in the Treasury Department. Inflation, it's serious. It's hurting Americans. Was it preventable? Yes, it was. President Trump delivered a booming economy and world peace. What more do you want from an American <laughs> president? Am I right? That's Am a good I right? Here we are well into President Biden's term, and we've got a weakening economy, skyrocketing inflation, a labor crunch, and a supply chain crisis. So what a difference a president makes. This is a direct result of Joe Biden's catastrophic economic policies, as well as unified Democratic control in the Congress, and a Federal Reserve that has pumped trillions of dollars down into the economy, creating this uh, inflationary environment that's damaging every single American. Monica, I, I hear that, and yet Joe Biden, when he goes to the podium, he says, I've created more jobs than any other president. I've given the greatest level of GDP that we've ever had. So somewhere between 
what many of us are feeling with high prices of gas and groceries and what Joe Biden is saying, why isn't what he's saying working? Have you ever known Joe Biden to tell the truth, Governor? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Uh, when you put it like that, maybe that's why your podcast started out as the number one (laughs) podcast in the country. First week. Thank you. It it, it debuted very strong, and I'm so proud of it, so thank you for that. Um, Look, Joe Biden has always been a hack. He continues to be a hack as president. And when he tells you that he is creating jobs, that's actually false. What is happening now is a restoration of jobs that were lost during the global pandemic when President Trump made the most difficult decision of his presidency, which was to shut down the U.S. economy. And originally it was supposed to be just for two weeks, as we all know, and it extended a lot longer than that. So this is still a job recovery operation. This is not job creation in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, the Biden administration's economic policies are putting a wet blanket, a damper over any kind of real dynamism that we should be seeing in the U.S. economy. Monica, we all are experiencing gasoline that's twice what it was before Joe Biden took office. We're seeing groceries that are up 20% across the board. Uh, Cost of housing is dramatically up. 15, 17% from a year ago. Uh, Are we headed toward a a real recession? Well, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think it requires a change of leadership because we need a change of policy. And given that Democrats have unified control in Washington, at least until January 1st of next year, um, I think that the American people are going to have to withstand these rising prices for the for the period of time. The Federal Reserve has printed so much money, pushed it down into the system. They're well over a year too late in trying to mop up all of this money sloshing around in terms of raising interest rates and stopping their asset purchases and so on. But when you trace back literally to the moment, Governor, of the inflationary pressures that we're seeing, it was when Joe Biden signed into law the American Rescue Plan in March of 2021. The Democrats made the case that we, need, we needed trillions of dollars more to support the economy post-COVID. Actually, we did not. President Trump handed Joe Biden the fastest economic recovery from any crisis on record. Joe Biden and the Democrats decided we needed trillions more in spending, which was essentially social engineering, social justice spending, and nothing to do with COVID. And from the moment he signed that $2 trillion package into law, we started to see inflation begin to rise. Before we conclude, your podcast, I can see why people want to listen to it, because as you've just talked, I'm thinking, this is one of the smartest people I know. You always have been. I've always admired that in you. How can people get your podcast and listen to you each day or each week? Well, thank you so much. This is actually the show that I've wanted to do for a very long time. It's Monica Unleashed. Monica Unplugged, No Holds Barred. Um, And it's called the Monica Crowley Podcast, which isn't particularly creative, but it does get to the point. It works. Uh, And so please go to wherever you get your podcasts, whatever platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, type in the Monica Crowley Podcast. It's there. I'm doing it three days a week, and we're having really important conversations, but we're also having a lot of fun with it, too. I can believe that. With all my heart, Monica, what a delight to see you again. And thank you for coming and being with us. 
Uh, I want to say thanks for being here. And for all of our audience, please check out the Monica Crowley podcast. You can get more of the insights like you've heard tonight. We have links for you. If you didn't catch it all, go to Huckabee.tv, a link to how to sign up for the Monica Crowley podcast. Keith Bilbrey, he's got some insights. I'm not sure what they are, but we'll find out because we're going to turn it all over to him right now. And you're going to love it. Coming up, legendary musicians James Burton and Joe Chambers, plus rock and roll band Newsboys are coming up on Huckabee. on Huckabee, Republican politician Alan West and magician Stuart McDonald. Hey, welcome back. As we come in to the uh, song by 38 Special, Caught Up in You, one of the great Southern rock songs and great Southern rock bands, my friend Jeff Carlisi was one of the co-writers of that song, and I love it. I don't know if you knew this or not, but April is a 35th annual International Guitar Month. And what better way to celebrate than to welcome the founder and CEO of the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum right here in Nashville, Joe Chambers. And the man who has played with practically every star in music, the legendary guitarist on countless classics by Elvis, John Denver, and Ricky Nelson, would you please welcome Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, one of the legends of the guitar, James Burton. Welcome, both Thank of you. you. I'm excited to have both of you here. James, you know, I am in awe of your talent. You have played with everyone. Everyone that does an album or recording would love to have James Burton play on it. But you just keep going. You, you, you played, I mean, you couldn't tell us how many people you played with. Oh, it's unbelievable, really. Um, I'm so honored, and uh, it's a blessing from God, you know, to put me in the places of the right place with the right artists. When did you want to start playing the guitar? How was... Actually, when I was uh, maybe three years old. Three years old. But you developed a style of guitar playing that very few people have ever been able to emulate. It's called... Chicken picking. You know, I actually started playing when I was uh, 12, 13. Yeah. And uh, my mom and dad bought me my first Telecaster guitar, Fender. I'd say they did all right buying you that, you know? <laughs> sure did. Did they ever say, now, James, it's okay to play this thing, but you can't make a living at it? And, uh, no, my mother said, you can't go to California. <laughs> that was a very smart mama. Very, very wise mama. But when you started playing with Elvis Presley, I mean, we've all heard the Elvis albums where he turns in the middle of the instrumental and says, play it, James. That's you. I mean, it's got to be cool to think that Elvis Presley is turning to you to turn the song over to you. Well, when he says, uh, play it, James, I got I to gotta do something. <laughs> uh, Joe, the no. Musicians Hall of Fame here in Nashville is honestly one of my very favorite places in the country. I tell people if they come to Nashville, lots of things to see and do, but if they don't come to the Musicians Hall of Fame, they will have missed one of the truly amazing places in this city, in this country. You tell the truth. It's the truth. We had a feature down there. You created that just out of your own desire, but why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer of, in the perfect definition of it, born in 54. And I just feel like I grew up 
listening to James yeah. and Elvis. That was my first, uh, I remember singing Hound Dog on my uh, grandparents' front porch down in South Georgia, and, and I liked the attention, so I had a band for from I was 14 on, and and, uh, uh, and then I came to Nashville in pursuit of a deal and, and ended up um, meeting my lifelong friend, Billy Sherrill, who was the president of CBS. Mm-hmm. He produced Tammy and George Jones and Charlie Rich, everybody. And uh, so I flipped from, from rock and roll, bent, wanting to be a rock star 120 pounds ago, to uh, <laughs> um, being a songwriter. So I wrote country songs for... For a while, and then I had my guitar shops. And but while I was a song, songwriter, and that's when I learned about the studio musicians, people like James. James was inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame, the very first induction. That makes sense. You've brought some guitars, and I, you know they're out here for a purpose. Tell us about the guitars that are on the front of the stage. Well, well, two of them are James brought, which is what he was just talking about. But one, I think, this second one from the right was the one his parents bought him. Mm. He painted it red. It was originally white. And if you see the back of it, you see what he sanded the paint off of it. And then yeah. he quit, you know. Uh, I think the, uh, first, the first one, is that not your signature? signature yeah, model. signature yeah. model. And then next to it is the famous Paisley telly that, uh, and you really ought to tell him about what, he was scared to play that in front of Elvis because he thought it looked a little unmanly <laughs> uh, because of the Paisley yeah. look. You know, when we opened Las Vegas in '69, uh, I played the one Mother and Dad bought me um, for the first two weeks. I was afraid to take the pink paisley out because I, I was afraid what Elvis might say something like. So when you finally brought it out, me. did he like it? He loved it. I mean, a guy that has a, we, about we pink two Cadillac, shows. you know, surely would like a <laughs> yeah. pink guitar. I told him I traded it for a pink Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he. Uh, you know, we did two shows that night, and he he was he saw the guitar, but he didn't say anything until later that night. He called me down to his uh, dressing room, and he said, "I noticed you're playing a different guitar tonight." And uh, I said, "Yeah, I was a little nervous about bringing it out on stage." And he said, "No, I love it. It looks great. Play it all you want." So, That's great. Now you got one by BB King, uh, then one by Johnny Cash, Tom Petty. And the one on the end, that's pretty cool. Uh, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. I, I, it blew my mind that you had a guitar that was played by Jimi Hendrix. All of these guys, phenomenal guitar players. But quite frankly, we're sitting here with the phenomenal guitar player of all time, James Burton. We're going to play some music with you. And Keith, while we get set up to play, why don't you tell us how we can learn more about Joe and the museum as well as James Burton? When you're in Nashville, the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum is a must-see. Learn all about it on Huckabee.tv. While you're there, you'll also find links to the incredible music of James Burton and the James Burton Foundation that provides guitars and music instruction to kids and veterans nationwide. All right, James, take it away!
keep it right here. News boys are next on Huckabee. Christian music's multi-platinum selling group Newsboys are one of the genre's biggest successes. Mega hits like Born Again and God's Not Dead, one of the big hits they've had. Newsboys' latest album is titled Stand. Band members Michael Tate, Duncan Phillips, Jeff Frankenstein, and Jody Davis are here to tell us about it. Welcome, Newsboys. Great to have Thank you. Thank you, Michael. You guys are very popular for the extraordinary energy that you bring to the stage. Nobody goes to sleep during Newsboys' performances. If they do, they're sorry. No, they're dead. That's what they are, Michael. They're dead. That's true. That's At that point, they have no pulse, right. and they're right. carried out on a gurney, and we never see them again. Say less. Say less. I want to talk about, uh, you've had quite a run, and one of the fascinating things is it seems like the band is, is just moving forward and the trajectory is upward, not yes. downward. Yes. You've got a big European tour coming up yes, this sir. year. Tell us about it. We're excited about it. Of course, we made the record stand and it came out October the 1st last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we're on our way now. We've done the US uh, tour with Danny Goki and Mac Powell. Mm. And then we're on our way to Europe in May uh, with a man named Franklin Graham. We love him. Dates and yep. dates with him, yes. And um, pushing the record, pushing the songs. But, we're doing it. We're going we're to do it for a long time, Mike. I always say, if the Rolling Stones can do it in their 80s, we're just kids. <laughs> That's true. We're going to be around. Started. We're going to be around for a long time. Are you saying there's hope for me? Oh, <laughs> hey, on the bass for sure, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the, the album, yes. Stand. It came out last October. Yes. But it has such powerful music. Man. You wrote it for... Uh, I, I guess a, a whole new way of communicating, right? We, we had the whole, we had a lot of time off, unpredicted time off yeah. because yeah. of the pandemic. And usually when we write a song, sometimes the finishing, you're never really done with it, you know? And the label's like, give us a record, give us a record. We're like, yeah. let's get done with the art first. But this time we had to go back, we had time to go back in and work on songs, rewrite choruses, rewrite, you know, bridges. And I've been in the band for 12 years now. Yeah. My favorite record by far. I love God's Not Dead, but the stand record because of what it stands for yeah. and what it says. Uh, in, a, in an undivided America, so yeah. much going on. Um, the question remains, where do you stand? When the pressure comes on, when, when, when you're up against the wall, what's going to be your answer? Where do you stand? What, what, where, are your, where are your morals? See, I think that is a beautiful message for us right now because a lot of people are afraid. People are living in fear. Yeah. And I think the pandemic created a new level of fear in No people. question. Fear of everything. Yeah. And you're saying, stand up, be counted, yeah. uh, don't hide under the bed. It's easier said than done, but I believe in faith over fear. You've talked about that. Yeah. I believe that. I believe in a, in a God that's in control, and uh, I'm not going to be caught up in the circumstances. I'm going to be into the God that controls the circumstances. Well, we're excited that you're here. Newsboys are going to perform in just a moment. And as they get ready, Keith Bilbrey, he's got nothing else to do, <laughs> so we're going to let him tell you how to get their great music, and that is important to know. For links or to purchase or stream Newsboys Stand as well as their upcoming concert schedule, go to Huckabee.tv. Now, let's hear it for Newsboys! Who will I be when trouble comes calling for me? Well, I live the way I believe 
When I'm backed up against the wall What kind of heart do I have in my chest? Does it beat for my savior or just for my flesh? What will I do in the moment that everything falls? I'm gonna stand in a world that's breaking stand for truth unchanging. I'll consider the cost I'll stay right here at the foot of the cross And stand They can call me a fool Or stubborn for following you For trusting without any proof But I've seen you here through it all What kind of person do I want to be? Am I committed to you or committed to me? What will I choose the second that everything falls? I'm going to stand in a world that's breaking stand For truth unchanging, I'm not ashamed 